Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's get into the Word quickly together. We spend so much time in worship and that's never a waste at all. I just so love that. And I'm always grateful that we don't get locked onto run sheets and go, well, sorry, but we've got to stop. Uh, I'm grateful because sometimes it's in that extra moment where we give the Holy Spirit space that he does something profound. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, just two verses. This has been our theme right through the month of Emmanuel. But tonight I want to speak to you on the God of the gap. Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23 says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This was the prophetic uh, word that came to Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The very first name given to Jesus Christ is Jesus, for he will save. But the second name, I love this because see, he could save you and then leave you. Some of you maybe even have experienced what it's like to be rescued by somebody to be saved by somebody. Maybe you're at the beach and you got caught in a rip. And as we do in Australia, you wave that hand around and the guy with the yellow and red cap or the girl comes down off that ladder, sprints out. I'm sure you've at least seen the, some of the footage of that. What amazing thing they do is they serve our community, a volunteer organisation. It's incredible. But they swim out and they save people. But you know, they don't go home with you. They don't continue life with you, as great as it is. That's why I think I love so much the fact that not only is his first name Saviour, but the very next name says not only does he save, but he goes home with you. He says, I'm God with you. I'm not just God there in the high moments, but I'm the one who stays with you. Now, the Christmas story, if you've ever stopped and thought about it for very long, it's full of the supernatural. Listen, the supernatural is not weird or bizarre for Christians because everything about uh, the Christian life is supernatural. There's nothing about it that's normal or natural. Religion is man's efforts to get to God, create rules, create rituals, create pathways of ascendance and all the rest of that stuff. But that is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. Christianity says before you ever wanted God, there was a God who wanted you. Before you ever made a step, there was a God who went looking for you. And so the supernatural of God, you know, I could tell you, and I'm sure I could get up a hundred people here tonight to tell you the story of their own experience of God. And I'll guarantee that in every single one of their stories, there would be moments of God reaching to them long before they ever reached for God. And that supernatural part of the Christmas story is not back there, it's continuing on. But there were angels, there were heavenly choirs, there were stars that guided wise men, there were prophets and prophetesses that held aloft the child and declared who he was. There were dreams that confirmed and supernatural dreams that warned. And all of that is a part of the Christmas story. However, not all of Jesus' everyday life was one supernatural 
moment after another. Mary and Joseph take the boy child, Jesus, off into Egypt as Joseph was born supernaturally in a dream. Here's the weird thing. Nobody knows how long they were there for. We know nothing about, there is nothing in the Scripture that talks about what they did. There's no record of him ever doing a miracle because the first miracle that he ever did was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine. I, by the way, this week worked out what that was worth. I don't know, it just occurred to me uh, because it says how many gallons. There were about 30 gallons in the six washing pots. That's 180 gallons. I worked out the average uh, bottle of wine holds 750 mil. So I computed all that. A good bottle of wine costs you, I'm going to say 50 bucks. It uh, depends on what you drink or don't drink in my case. But uh, I worked out that Jesus gave a wedding gift of about 50,000 bucks at the first wedding he ever went to. $50,000 worth of wine. That's if it was cheap wine. If it was really expensive wine, multiply that by three at least or maybe more. So anyway, I just chucked that in because it just was in my head for a second. Uh, but Jesus was in Egypt and never did a miracle. And so, see, we like to think that every day with Jesus has got to be one massive answer after another. But the reality is there's a big gap. There were no angels in Egypt, nothing like that. We don't, even after they return back into into the land of Israel, we don't hear another thing until the age of 12. So let's just assume some commentators say it was somewhere between a matter of months and three years that they were in Egypt. But even if that was the case, then there's years more where we know nothing about Jesus growing up until the age of 12 when his parents go up into the temple and he gets left behind. Which again, if I had been the Archangel Gabriel, I would have begged God to let me turn up. I would have come down and said to Joseph, I would have turned up with a clipboard. I would have said, Joseph, just here to do a little bit of a checkup on the Messiah. You know, the child that, that you got given supernaturally to care for. Just wonder how he's going. Is he nutritionally well? Is he behaving himself? You know, is he a good son? And then I would have gone to Mary and asked all the same questions. And then I would have said, now, before I go, I just need to just talk to him for a second. The father's asked me to say something. And I would have said, could you bring him? And they would have looked around one another and go, well, where is he? And Joseph being the good man, he would have said, well, I left him with you. And she would have said, well, I thought he was with you. And I would have had fun playing with them having lost the Messiah. But anyway, that's, a, that's just my brain, really. That's not a good thing, probably. There's nothing from then the age of 12 until he appears uh, at the wilderness where John the Baptist, sorry, not the wilderness, the River Jordan where John the Baptist baptised him. 18 years without an angel. 18 years without a miracle. 18 years without dreams. So I know that even though he is God with us, I understand, I want you to get this tonight, he's also the God of the gap. He's the God who is ever present. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of the supernatural. We have lost count in the life of this church with all of the miracles we've seen God do. I was thinking about this lady the other day. I still remember it was a Sunday morning service. 
she drove one of the massive big mining trucks up in one of the mines, a uh, uh, Kiwi lady, I remember. And uh, she had terrible pain that never, uh, she just gotten used to living with it. Drove one of the big dump trucks up in the mines. And in the service, while uh, the worship was on, God supernaturally healed her of that and she never had it ever again. And I've heard story after story after story. And so understand that I'm not coming from the place of we don't believe in the supernatural, don't see it. I'm coming from the opposite space. But I want to talk to you tonight about the God of the gap of the moments where you wonder where, where God went. And I want to talk to you about that tonight. I believe there's some answers and I believe there's some things for everyone else. I feel like tonight God is going to speak to some of you uh, in your heart. You're going to go out of here and go, you know what? I don't know everything about that, but I do know this. I do know God is with me. Some of you here, that knowing is going to shift from out of the intellect, out of your theology, out of the Bible verse of Matthew 1 verse 23. And it's going to shift down inside of you. And some of you here tonight, the thing you've been most worried about, the thing you've been most concerned about, the thing that you've been wrestling with. And it came back to my mind because... I remember when my eldest daughter was, I think, about 20 years old, came up with lumps all over the top of her head, wouldn't let us tell anybody about it. She said, Dad, we're just going to pray. I sent her off to the doctor. The doctor came back. I opened the x-rays and it said that it was uh, most likely Hodgkinson's lymphoma. And I had buried somebody with that not that long before I was aware of it. Well, i got to be honest with you and say my heart was so... Uh, just churned. I was so upset. I, I did not know how to think. I just kept on declaring Psalm 91, there shall no evil before you. No plague will come nigh your dwelling. I must have said it a thousand times. I'd come to work and somebody would mention her name or just casually ask because nobody knew. And I, it was all I could do to not burst into tears at, at the thought of what might be going on and what might be happening. And just my wife and I and our daughter, the only ones I couldn't ask for prayer. She said, Dad, I just, uh, I, I, she actually said to me, Dad, it's going to be okay. And I'm going, well, that's good for you. But I don't know that. And I still remember not being able to sleep probably several days and nights after that before she's able to get any further help or any further diagnosis. All I had was what the radiologist said. No, I figure they know what they're talking about. And I remember saying, God, you know, you have to help me in this. And I still remember where I was standing. It was about 1.30 in the morning. I hadn't been able to sleep. And I'm standing there. And as I'm standing, see, I want to tell you this, not because it makes me look good, because it certainly doesn't. But it does make the Saviour who is God with us. It's certainly... I hope will open up a window of thought for you that maybe if I'd spent three days and there shall no evil before me, no plague will come down my dwelling. I just kept declaring it. It just came into my heart. I just kept saying it and saying it without any change or any hope. And at 1.30 or so in the morning, I'm standing there and literally without me, I wasn't in the place of prayer. I'm not being, you know, so godly that God had to come. I'm standing there, a worried parent. And it was like someone poured warm honey. So I know I can describe it. 
from the top of my head, I felt it like it was tangible, poured out of the top of my head, all over my body. And I heard a voice say, it'll be all right. From that moment on, nothing had changed. The lumps were still there. Nothing had shifted. But something shifted in me, and that's what I'm believing for tonight. For you that are here, I'm not, I'm not asking God, God, to solve everything. I'm saying, God, can you solve something in me? God, can you shift? How many people here say, I've got some things I'm facing, and my Lord, I just want to know. I, I want you to shift something in me tonight, in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray for you at the end, that God will shift something in you. And, well, the long story short, I better tell you the end. Uh, we go off to the specialist, the guy, the super dude in charge, and he started laughing. I, I, again, I didn't laugh. I got really very angry, actually. I was about ready to jump up and laying on a hands ministry. And uh, he said, I think your daughter's got a virus. I go, you've got to be kidding me. He said, look, we'll run some tests. Now, I have no idea what she had to this day. I don't know whether the radiologist was wrong and or God had changed it, I don't know. I do know, I've always remembered that moment though, that in the middle of my concern, the God who knows the end from the beginning said, Jeff, I'm going to be with you in the midst of. See, I was in the middle of. I didn't need the God that's going to get me one day when I get to heaven. I didn't need just the Jesus who saved me when I was way back there. I need the God who walks with me every step of my... Are you with me here tonight? Come on. So he's Emmanuel, God with us, but he's also the God of that gap. Here's just a couple of quick thoughts. I'm not going to be much longer, so just really hang in with me, would you, for a minute. Number one, don't mistake the absence of visible activity for lack of action. Don't mistake lack of visible activity for lack of action in your life. Sometimes it's like God is doing nothing that you know of. But Luke 1.37 says this, listen to it differently. Luke 1.37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. We read that in our English language going, everything's possible. Can I suggest to you that an alternate meaning of that would be this, for God to do nothing is impossible. For God to do nothing, that's actually impossible. He's God. And because he's God, for him to actually do nothing, he can't. I studied up and spoke to Marcus Sardin, a Jewish preacher friend of mine, wonderful man, been in that church a number of times, uh, because I was, I was interested in the fact that the scripture talks about God rested on the seventh day. And I said, Marcus, it, it cannot be that God did nothing, because God can't do nothing. So then I remembered that Jesus said that, the Sabbath was made for man. So when God got to the seventh day, he never went, I'm tired. Because Isaiah says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. So he never gets tired. So it cannot be that God goes, you know what? Well, I thought it might take seven days, but it only took six. So let's have the seventh day off. It's not like that. I think the only reason God could Sabbath on the seventh day and rested the only reason was because God said, I've just made man and I want his first day to be a place of rest. I want his first day he ever spends with me to come from the place of rest. He can work the next six. So the seventh day to us is the day of rest. God said, no, your first day's rest. 
you start from there. Anyway, don't mistake lack of visible activity for a lack of action. God cannot do nothing. The whole story of Christmas is simply this, that God will never be a spectator in your life. God's never going to be doing nothing in your world. He is at work. I want you to get this tonight. He is at work all the time, regardless of where you are. He's at work all the time in your life. Here's the second thing. God's preparations are seldom set a stage. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Jared the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east. We've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Let's go on to verse 11. Wise men. When they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, fell down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 13. Now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, And stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. I want you to imagine that you are Mary and Joseph. Jesus, most likely, by the way, is not actually in a manger. When the wise men turn up, he's actually in a house, it says. So I think they turned up a bit later. But these guys rock up, however, whether you want the Christmas card version or or not, doesn't really matter. The facts are these. Mary and Joseph are home with baby toddler Jesus and wise men turn up and they've got servants and camels. They are not turning up with a, I've got a golden nugget somewhere rather or Rhonda's got it at home. That's a speck about size of a match head and it's worth, I don't know, a hundred, couple, I don't know how much, but it's worth gold. These guys aren't turning up with a little matchbox bit. They're turning up with a chunk. They're turning up with two of the most expensive uh, items in that time of the earth you could ever get, frankincense and myrrh, incredibly expensive things. The most, one of the most expensive substances on the earth, by the way, is still not a metal. It's saffron. Let's just chuck that out. So don't think when these guys turned up, it was somehow rather emotional value. No, it was actually hard currency that these guys rock up with and they turn up with that. And I can't you imagine Mary and Joseph going, what? What's this about? And none of it makes any sense at the time until Joseph gets a dream saying, you've got to go and live in a foreign country and I'm not telling you how long you're going to be there for. Think about that a second. I don't know about you, but I've travelled a bit. When my children were little, we took them all on a round-the-world trip. I hesitate to tell you how much it cost for six weeks. Six weeks, two adults, three children. And uh, let me just say, it was way, way, way much more than my first five cars put together. Mind you, they were rubbish, but anyway, that's it. (laughs) What am I trying to say here? I'm saying this, that God's preparations are seldom centre stage. Mary and Joseph, their whole thing is about Jesus and about everything that the angels have said about him and Mary. No doubt they are so conscious of the incredible responsibility 
But they don't know they're going to need a ton of money. And one day these guys rock up and God has been preparing these guys. Uh, they say that the journey was probably a six-month journey for these guys. So six months before these guys get together, all this stuff, they don't know they're going to go to Israel. They don't know they're going to go and talk to a boy who's not a king on a throne. They don't know that. When they go to the house, they're like, huh? And God had been preparing all of this on side stage. Long before anybody got to see what it was all about. These guys don't know why we're carrying all this gold, frankincense and myrrh. We know something is happening. We just don't know what it is. Before we know we'll have a need, God is preparing the answer. You've got to believe that tonight. You've got to believe before we even know. Come on. I guess across here, there would be some of you here, I'm sure, some of you here that go, Jeff, I don't know. There's a, a huge box called I don't know. And some of you, that box is so huge, you, you go, you know, the clock's ticking. i got to know. Something's got to happen. Can I say to you tonight, before you even knew the need would arise, God had already prepared an answer. That's, that's what happened with the wise men. Before Mary and Joseph ever knew they were going to need to go and live in a foreign country where he couldn't work, where he'd have no business, where all of his contacts would be gone, and the thousands that that would cost, before they knew all of that, God goes, you know what, I've already got it worked out. I'm already preparing for you. Here's the third thing. God has already prepared everything you'll need for your next season. He knows where you're going to be and what you'll need, even if you don't. So that leads me to the last thing I want to say to you tonight. And that is that God is preparing. You see, it seems to me that it's easy for God to prepare stuff for your next season. It's way harder for God to prepare you for your next season. See, this, this is what I know. God can prepare the stuff I'm going to need long before I even get there. But he can't prepare me until I'm in it. You know? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just go to the game and go, oh, I need a fresh anointing for this new season and I'm just going to go and grab the jacket. God gave Elisha, if I can take you back to that story, those of you that know it. Think about this a minute. God gave Elisha a jacket, but it took him 13 years to make it his. He gave him a touch because Elijah went and cast his mantle over him, it says in 1 Kings. He went and cast his, his mantle over Elisha. Elisha felt it. He knew something was meant to be his. And he rises he rise up, he, he slays the, the oxen that are pulling the plough uses the plough itself to build an altar and he sacrifices the oxen on it. And that's his way of saying, you know what? I've made up my mind where I'm going and I'm not coming back. I'm not parking this in the garage in case this doesn't work out. He says, I'm committed. How many of you here can say tonight, you know what? I'm committed to the will of God for my life. There's no backwards thing here. I'm not looking for an out. I'm just going on. I'm, I burnt that thing. That's the way it is. And I know that's a dangerous place and a scary place, but it's a great place if you do it. This guy does that and he gets touched by the mantle, but he doesn't pick it up. Elijah picks it up and puts it on. I wonder how many times Elisha washed it because it says that he poured 
water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, he's just his, his housemaid. Is there such a thing? Housemate? He cooked for him. He cleaned for him. Can you imagine how many times he must have got the jacket and washed it for Elijah, hung it up to dry, and looked at it and thought, one day that's going to be mine. And then take it off the line and go give to Elijah and watch Elijah put it on. I wonder how many times he, he wanted to try it on and see whether it would fit. How incredible. But one day he says to Elijah, or Elijah says to him, I'm going to be taken from you. What do you want me to give? He says, I want a double portion of what you're wearing. And so this guy then presses in and, and through the difficult place, it says, if you go and read it in Second Kings, he says they went down through the Jordan Valley. It's reputedly one of the deepest parts on the planet. And all these people kept saying, you're losing him today. He says, I'm not focused on what I'm losing. I'm focused on what I'm gaining. On the other side, can I say to you tonight, come on, if you're going to follow Jesus, don't let your mind be full of what you might lose. Focus on what you might get. Huh? Why do you think it says about David that when he killed Goliath, he went and took his sword and his helmet, his armour, and put it in his own tent? Because what he should have done, what most would have done, was go and give it to the king of the time, which was King Saul, and say, here, this is your trophy. He said, you know what? I'm going to take that because I want to remember. Maybe he knows what he's about to face in life as he goes along and he goes, I'm going to make sure I keep the trophy close. Let me give you a word tonight. Keep the, clo- the trophy closed. David does it all through the Psalms. Lord, I remember. Lord, I remember. Go and study it sometime. So many times through the Psalms, he says, Lord, I remember. Lord, I remember. Lord, I remember. Sometimes the only friend you've got is your memory. The memory of what God did in your life. Amen. Isn't this a great Christmas message? See, because God's preparing you. He can get the stuff ready. He can get wise men and cold frankincense and mercy. He can get all that stuff well ahead of time, but he can't get you ready ahead of time. You've got to be in the season. God's preparing you now for your next season. Here's the only question I have. Can you stand still long enough while he does it? Luke 4 and verse 16 says, And Jesus, as his custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And I think about Jesus for 30 years going every week to church, listening to somebody preach about the creation. He goes, I was there. Because without him, John 1 says, there was nothing made that was made. And I think about that and go, must have been hilarious. Sitting there listening to someone preach about you. The Messiah's coming. They're receiving the offering and you've you come out of heaven with a sea of glass and a throne where the foundations are 12 precious stones. You must have been going like, yeah, whatever. And they're all debating about how many angels can fit in the head of a pin and you go, oh, who cares? <laughs> Think about all that. And yet every week, Jesus was in church. Oh, I don't need church. Well, apparently Jesus reckoned he did. Anyway, it's just another thought. I think he's getting prepared because Hebrews 5 and verse 8 says this. And I've checked this out in about six versions. They all say the same thing and none of them are the right meaning. I'll read it to you. Hebrews 5, 8, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That makes it sound like Jesus had a horrible upbringing. 
the Greek word, go check it out. The very first meaning of it is not suffering. It's just experience. It literally means he learned obedience by the things he experienced. In other words, Jesus simply had a lot of really ordinary days. He had a lot of gap days, as we call them. I thought about this because um, I remember being a kid and I also remember um, having children. Well, I still do. Uh, Where's Sebastiano and Rashida? Can I have you for a second? Come up here, you beautiful young couple. And uh, Tommy, will you see here, Tom? Tom, and, and is Renee here tonight? Are you here, Renee? No? Would you mind helping me out? They, these people don't know anything about this. Let me just interview Tom for a minute. Come on up here, Tom. You're just such a... I love you. I love you too, by the way, no less. But what were you like as a kid? Were you just real studious and, and just really calm and collected? Um, I was a bit of a wild child, I think. Oh, oh. So when mum wanted to dress you, how long did it take to get Tom dressed? Uh, so mum pretty much gave up on dressing me and just let me wear my favourite footy players' outfits or cricket players' outfits or a combination of both. I, I kind of figured that might be you. These are, this is, these are out of threads, by the way. That's English laundry. Hello, if you know garment, that's like uber expensive. And look at that. It's even got squiggly lines on it. That's for you. No, I'll tell you in a second. Now, unfortunately, I think I've picked the two wild childs in the whole place because were you as a child, were you a quiet little sedate little child? You know, just your father's here. Or maybe I should ask him. Uh, but were you a little quiet, little sit in the corner little child? Is that you? Yeah, everything my mama put on, I was quietly and uh, uh, calm. Every, my mama was dressing me and uh, never complaining. I'm, I'm thinking we should check with Dad afterwards on that. That sounds like a bit of a whopper to me. There you go. That's tarot cash. That's not bad either. Um, I, I didn't know that about either of you. I thought, oh, I've got this wrong. But um, what I want you to do, because, see, my question is, can you stand still long enough while God is preparing you? So all I want you to do is be who you are while you dress him and you dress him. Let's see, let's see who gets there quicker. All right? Uh, I think we've undone the uh, shirt sleeve buttons. Yeah. And you just be your normal little calm self, Thomas. Huh? Woohoo. And let's see how we go. Because uh, God is preparing you for your next season. We're all ready. We've got them undone yet. Well, I'm going to say go in a minute. And then there's no, it's not really a race. As I say to my wife, she says, it's not everything's a competition. I go, why do they call it the human race then? <laughs> of course it's a competition. I'm a man. It's what we do. Are you ready? Okay, now, Tom, I want you to go back to when you were about three or four. And let's just see what Tom looked like as Mum Renee says, hello. Let's get the boy ready. We're getting going to church in a minute. Let's see how Tom goes. And then over here, hey, hey, 
Let's see how you go. Ready? You ready? On your mark. Get set. Oh, okay. Off you go. If this fits, we give it to you at the end. got the shirt on, buttoned up, Tom's still standing here in his singlet. Was that, yeah, well, whatever that is. He's, he wore his jammers to church tonight, did he? Is it? Renee said that, not me. You get my drift? See, the point is not, is God wanting to prepare me? I've got to be honest here, because I'm not a good standing still person. I'm way more in yours category. I can still hear the voice of my mother. Boy, sit still. My father, the thing I most remember my dad ever saying to me was, stop fidgeting, stop fidgeting. Boy, put that down. We, unfortunately, we never had ADD or anything back then or else I probably would have got it. And that's very, that was very un-PC. Cut that out of the tape. Here's my point. See, if God's preparing me and you, can I stand still? I really felt this was a word from God. I don't know who was going to be here tonight. Don't, I'm not talking about you. I don't know what's going on. But I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to say to some people here or some people listening or watching, can you stand where you are long enough for the God who's with us to finish doing what he wants to do? Amen. It's a mistake to wait beyond, to be so stuck that you won't move. But it's equally a mistake to go, God, if you won't work, I'll work. And I don't want to be in that place. I often tell the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be doing only what I I can do. I want you to be doing. I want it to be obvious that you're at work in Jesus' name. So enjoy your new Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, Very expensive shirt. Tom, would you like that shirt? Would you wear that in your next gig? You wouldn't wear it at your next gig. It's, it's English laundry, man. That's, that's not bad. But, all right, if you don't want it. Anybody who like an English laundry shirt? Uh, well, anyway, we'll just give it away to somebody later. That would be nice. Thank those people for me, would you? Let me pray together tonight with you. Thank you for being a part of this service. I pray that God has spoken in my my feeling all the way through this service was that God somehow or other was going to touch some people here in this place where you're going to go, you know what? Nah, that's God and I needed to hear it. And so I'm praying that for you in Jesus' name. Stand with me a minute. Come on. Let's honour the Lord a minute just by standing in His presence. I want you just wherever you are, no matter who you are, would you just do this and just put your hands out in front and just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendered to you. I'm surrendered not just to the moments where it's obvious you're there, to the angels and the dreams and the prophets and the prophetesses. 
but I'm here for the days when it's not visible that you're doing anything. Lord, I'm not just here for the days when I'm aware of your moving. But God, I'm here for the days that are just those days. Because Lord, I I want you to prepare me. I want to be prepared for my next season. It'll come anyway. I want to be ready for it. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just sing whatever it is that you're playing there for a minute. Maria, just lead us in it. Because I want to just to take a couple minutes. Service will be over soon enough. But I want you to take a couple minutes. I feel like right now the Holy Spirit, just where you are. Some of you here, it's like a cork coming out of a bottle. All of a sudden, a, a release in your life. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm declaring what I see. I see like a cork. Some of you are like, Oof, just gone out of the bottle. You go, ah. Okay, now I'm all right. Fullness, come on. Just sing that, Maria. The rest of the team, come on, let's take a minute. Fullness of eternal promise. God, I want to be prepared. I want you to work in my life. Stirring in your sons and daughters. Save me from just looking for the great days and the big days. Earth revealing heaven's wonders. Every day matters. Every day you're at work in Jesus' name. Every day God's at work. He's at work right now. Whether you see it or not, He's at work now. Jesus' name. We declare that, Lord, tonight over our life. We believe that, Lord. You're not taken by surprise. And you your children leave. shall be holy. You're not slumbering. You're not sleeping. You're there. You're at work. Dreams awake you never started with moment. us. It won't Spirit finish with us. So, Lord, we trust you for that future. In the name of Jesus. Pour it out. Pour it out. Let your love run over here. To glory fill this house, pour it out. Yes, Lord. Let your love run over here and now. Come on, let God touch you tonight. Let your Come on, from the front to the back. Wherever you are, let God touch you tonight. Lord, we know that with you, it's never about theology. It's never about what we believe you to be like. It's about you turning up and showing us what you're like. God, there's people here, some I would know some of their life. And there's many others I have no idea. So God, I'm not presuming that you asked me to speak this for the things I know, but for all the ones I don't know who right now are feeling the itch to jump but you're saying stand still stand still watch see what I've prepared before you even knew 
see what's going to come to pass. Before you knew there was a need, I'd organised provision. So Father, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. We worship you tonight. We worship you tonight. You are Lord. Your Lord, that means you're in charge. Your Lord, that means everything's in your power. You're Lord of Lords. You, you're not Lord of a bit. You're Lord of it all. You're not Lord of some. You're Lord of all of it. You're Lord of all of the Holy Spirit. You're always with us. You never leave us. You, you said that you'd give us a comforter that He may abide with you forever. So He's abiding here right now. The Holy Spirit's going to be with us in our sleep tonight. I pray for people here, Lord, who've not been sleeping properly, not been sleeping well because of concerns. Would you touch their body? Heal them in the name of Jesus. There's people here tonight, some of you that have actually got physical symptoms in your body from stress and from worry, from anxiety and pressure. And I I believe the Holy Spirit right now is healing your body in Jesus' name, healing your endocrine system. I don't even know what that is, but He's healing that. That's what He's telling me. He's healing that in the name of Jesus. Healing that in Jesus' name. Bringing strength into your life. Pour it out, oh Lord. Let your love run over. Pour it out. Hear it now. Let your love run over. Hear it now. Hear it now. Let your glory. Father, we're so grateful that Christmas is more than gifts and trees and all the stuff we associate with it. It's actually your loudest message to humanity. That you want to include people. You want to bring them in. That everybody matters to you. So God, I pray for people here tonight who maybe don't know what it's like to walk with God. They might know religion or church, but they've never known what it's like to say, Jesus is with me. He's, he's in my life. It's, he's inseparable. He's just there. He's in every bit of it. He speaks to me. He walks with me. He helps me. Pray God for those people tonight that this Christmas they'll find Jesus not just the Christmas spirit they'll find Jesus who is the spirit of Christmas thank you for that Lord in Jesus name just while heads about I want to pray a prayer with you here maybe you say Jeff I don't know Christ in a minute when I'm finished the prayer I'll show you the text that you can text yes to and begin a journey with Christ but I want to help you because some of you might go Jeff how do I start 
you don't start by telling God what you'll do for Him or what you're sorry about. You start by saying, Jesus, come into my life. So I want to help you. Let me show you. This is what you can pray. Sounds like this. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my past. Give me the future you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to live in me. Amen. Amen. Do you know if you pray that prayer, the Bible says Jesus hears it and comes? I'm still staggered at that. God, I know it happened to me. And so countless other thousands I've seen over the years. I know that if you pray that and mean it. Up here is the S-Text 0488826392. If you don't remember that, grab one of these slips as you leave from the Connect Hub area. I'd love you to take it away and either now, tonight, tomorrow, this week, somehow, brother, you text yes through. All that happens is that you will get at 7am the next morning on your smartphone, if you have one, you'll simply get uh, a scripture specially selected. Pastor Bruce Grant is right over there. He runs all of this. It's in our church. It's not uploaded to somewhere way out, who knows where. It's us doing it. Our church will send this to you. And along with that, He'll send you a prayer that you can pray out loud just to help you get started in your walk with God. So many people, over 200 people have done that this year. What a change. You know, again, I got an email from you this week, or you sent to some of the team anyway, talking about Yes Text and the impact that that had made to someone that you know. So come on, if that's you, would you do that? You can opt out anytime. We're not a pressure bunch. We are about inviting and welcoming. We'd love you to do that. 0488 826 392.